happy Easter. No way, man. You got to be kidding me. Ready? Happy Easter. All right, there we go. Great to have you guys here this morning. Great to be celebrating Jesus Christ. Little shout out to 309, the room across the hall here. We've got a little bit over 100 people in there. And so, man, we've got this place packed out for Jesus Christ. Give them a little bit of a welcome and a thanks. Love you guys. And uh, man, we are here to make much of Jesus Christ today. We're starting a series today. It's called the Victory March. Victory in Jesus Christ. We have victory because of him. We have victory over sin. We have victory over death. We have victory in this world and we have victory in the world to come. Praise be to God. Man, victory in Jesus Christ. Don't kid yourself. The cross is not an ending point. It's a starting point. God is doing a huge work. And Jesus Christ, man, he put his love on display as he sacrificed for us and he went to the cross conquering sin. Praise be to God. And uh, man, we have hope because of him. Today we're going to look at a passage. We're going to celebrate the life that we can have him in as well. And so uh, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Luke 24, starting in verse 1, as we learn about this victory over sin that we can have. And the uh, first step, if we're going to celebrate this victory, ready? He is risen. Share it. Yeah, there we go. We got some old school guys. Ready? So we'll do it for the old school guys. He is risen. All right, hang on. We've got a new school way to manage that. We'll manage that at the end as well, all right? Hang on, man. We have a God who is absolutely risen. He is risen. Share it. Man, get fired up, get pumped up, get ready to lift it up. May we be able to share with whoever, wherever, whenever. As we jump into Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1, uh, this picks up right after the crucifixion. Jesus Christ was the hope that they were counting on, the Messiah they were trusting in. He was going to lead them into victory, and they were certain of it. But they watched him breathe his last breath. They heard him say the words, it is finished. Can you imagine that moment? as you are looking at the cross and you watch Jesus fade. Three days later, Luke 24, verse 1. But, man, I'm telling you, read your scriptures closely and carefully. As you're reading along, make every word count. The first word of Luke 24, verse 1. But... Jesus Christ breathed his last, but, hang on man, God's got a plan. It says, but on the first day of the week, this is Sunday morning, it's right after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they got up at the break of the sunlight on Sunday morning, and they're hauling with a purpose. They're getting to the tomb. It says, they, who's they? Well, if you pick it up in the prior chapter at the end, Luke 23, this is the women. The women are rallying together. They're going to care for the tomb. They're going to care for the body. 
They've got a plan to kind of close out this funeral service. After the Sabbath, they were going to come back and do a few things. And so they, the women, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. One of the things you tended to do back in that age was you would put spices out in front of the tomb, and even if you had a chance to be able to put them on the body again, to be able to kind of cover some of the odor that would come from a body that began to deteriorate. And three days in, it was going to be pretty bad. And so they were coming with spices that they had prepared, probably rushed around buying it on a Friday night right before Sabbath started. So that all day Saturday they wouldn't be violating any laws as they basically rested in their God on Saturday and got prepared for Sunday morning with a lot of pain and grief. It says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they found the stone. you got to picture that, man. When you're reading through narrative, make sure you're understanding what it would have looked like. As they're coming along, there's tears, there's weeping, they're holding on to their Spices of different sorts, and they're coming along. They're probably looking down more than up. They're walking somewhat slowly as they're coming along. You turn the corner, and all of a sudden, you look up, and man, that stone has moved. And then you start like, is that the right one? Am I in the right spot? How in the world did they move that, right? You've got to, what's going on? You've got to be questioning what's happening, and they see this tomb and the stone is rolled away. It says, but when they went in, okay, this is a different culture, right? I'm just saying, uh, if this is me, let's just be real. Somebody's passed away. This is their tomb. They're supposed to be inside. Dude, I'm not going in, (laughs) right? This is a different culture and a different time, and they knew they were responsible for caring for the body. And so if the tomb is actually rolled over and open, well, then maybe we can just go in and we'll put these spices on the body and care for him. And, and uh, it says they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Make sure that when you're reading scripture, you read it actively, right? And I got to tell you right now, as they're walking into this tomb and as they're not seeing it, the simple question on their minds is, what? Right? Everybody just say that with me. Yeah, say it a little louder. Now get ready. You're going to read actively, actively with me as I read back through that. Bring that to bear, right? It says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then, right, when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Exactly. That's exactly where they were at. They're like, what is going on around here? And what's happening? And They did not find the Lord Jesus. It says, while they were perplexed about these things, see, what is the appropriate question there? While they were perplexed, they're like, I don't get this. What's going on? It says, behold. And for those of you who have been around here for a while, behold means, right? It means check it out. When you see the word behold in scripture, it means hang on, read carefully. The next thing is going to rock your world. That's what it means. Check it out. And it says, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Two men stood, these are angels standing by them in dazzling apparel. I'm just so you know, I don't have any apparel that is dazzling, right? And uh, this is one of those power words as you're reading through scripture and you're looking for the truth of scripture. This dazzling, this word literally means like lightning. 
That's the word that's built into it in the original language. You know, when you're looking up into the sky in the dark night and there's a storm brewing and all of a sudden this bright bolt of lightning hits and you almost have to look away, that over and over and over, the brightness of these angels beaming into the room all of a sudden, that's the behold as they're like, whoa, it is so bright you can almost feel heat off of it. Behold, there were two men that stood by them in dazzling apparel. And, uh, and as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. See, they had no idea what they were in the presence of, but they certainly knew this. Bigger and badder than me, that's for sure, right? And so they dropped to their knees. They bowed their faces, scared for what may come next, not sure what's happening, and Angels in their presence, the empty tomb, Jesus is missing, nothing is like what they expected it to be. It says, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Man, you've got to imagine that in that moment as they hear those words, they're like, what are you talking about? Dude, did you not get the memo? Are you not caught up on what's going on, right? You'd start to presume you know best. You saw what happened. You think you know what you're talking about. And he's like, do you seek the living among the dead? And he is not here. He has risen. Can you Amen, man. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine when they're standing there and they're in the tomb and they've got the spices and they're ready to weep and they're ready to pour it on and these Angels thunder into the room with their very looks, and then they bring the words. No, man, he ain't here. He has stood up and walked out. Jesus Christ is alive. Can you imagine as you're trying to process that, right? Your first words are, he couldn't have said what he just said, right? And then you're like, are you serious? Now you start looking up. You're looking at him like I'm looking for a facial expression. Are you joking? Is this for real? Are you serious? And all of a sudden you start to grasp. There is no joke here at all. Jesus Christ, he is risen. And all of God's people said, can you imagine that moment standing in that tomb? where you get made privy to this information. And the women, as they hear that he's risen, he then says, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, listen to what he told them, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. All right, that seems pretty clear, right? You're like, how did they not know what was going on? The angel's like, remember what Jesus told you very specifically. Just so you know, three different times in the Gospel of Luke, he records what Jesus said about his death and resurrection. In fact, the closest one to this in Luke chapter 18 gets revealed out. Luke 18, verse 31, listen to these words. He says, and taking the twelve, this is Jesus, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, 
they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. Jesus Christ had prepped a man, I'm telling you, here's the most important thing you need to grasp. This was the plan. God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly where he's headed. And Jesus Christ knows exactly what's coming. Him for me. He loves you. He he died for you. And he did it with great purpose and knowledge. The angel's like, don't you remember? It says, now back to Luke 24. And they remembered his words. Isn't it amazing how God brings those things to bear where all of a sudden things we've heard in the past, scripture that we may have known, things that we should have grasped and understood, and all of a sudden as he starts to breathe out some truth to us, all of a sudden we grasp the word, the aha moment where all of a sudden we get it maybe more than ever before. It says they remembered his words. What would you do next after you remember his words? At least probably right there, some kind of high-five moment, whatever that was in their culture, right? Some kind of, this is amazing. And then the first thing is like, we're going back. We got to tell some people about this, right? You're going after it with all you've got. And uh, it says, and they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. They shared it. It was not a secret they kept. It wasn't something they privately mused on. They brought the message in a huge way. Jesus Christ is risen. Man, we have to grasp this. In our world, death is so tangible. Pain is so palpable. Sin is so regular. And God has a plan. A plan to manage it all that we might have hope. This morning when I woke up, I just thought it would be helpful to get in a kind of a heart of worship. So I uh, turned on an Easter sunrise service from Israel uh, over at the tomb. And um, it started with a video that was just so powerful. This video captured what it would have been like for some of the crucifixion scene elements and the tearing of the veil and the the thunderous earthquake that took place as this creation declared how wrong the treatment of Jesus Christ was. And, And it had tears in my eyes. And then there was this moment of capturing the tomb as the stone rolls open and light beams out and Jesus Christ stepping out. It was this, I mean, I had a power moment of worship this morning as I thanked and praised Jesus Christ that he is risen. And at the bottom of that page, there were these words, struggling with saggy skin? Call us. (laughs) I mean, can, are you serious? Somebody needed to take a look at where their ad was falling and going, dude, that's not a good place. We, we really need to change, right? And how is that so much like the world? He is risen. Do I look like maybe I should, am I getting a little saggy in the, do you think, that, right? 
and we start worrying about me and we start thinking about my body and we start thinking about this world around me and we start talking about the pains or the sufferings or the joys in the moment and we lose sight of this. The king of the universe has just conquered sin. Praise be to God. We have life, we have hope, we have eternity managed. Lord, may I never lose focus of this one thing. You are unbelievable, and I worship and praise you. Man, may we share him with all we've got. And all of God's people said, man, let's get on that. With everything we have, we have this privilege to take a moment to think deep about the greatness of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and hand it all to him. How is your awe? How is your response to sharing the greatness of Jesus? Are you willing and ready anywhere and anytime to say, no, seriously, dude, he's rocking my world. I'd love to talk to you about him. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not even sure what I think about Jesus Christ. Welcome. It's great to have you. Please hear me. Jesus Christ, he is the king of the universe and he has died on the cross for our sins and risen again. He is risen. And all of God's people said, first thing, he is risen, share it. Second, he is risen, marvel at it. He is risen, marvel at it. It says, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with him who told these things to the apostles. He's like, let me define what women were there. And I just want you to know, this is super important. The list of these names is powerful right here. In fact, if you go back to Luke chapter 8, you don't have to do that right now, but this is the front end of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 8, and it uses some names of women that are there. And it says, there was Mary Magdalene and Joanna. These are women, it says, who were suffering from illnesses and demonic possession. There were some weird things going on, dark things going on. They were wrestling. They were hurting. In fact, it says Mary Magdalene had seven demons within her that Jesus ended up casting out. Healed. And hear me, man. It says the next thing they did was follow Jesus Christ. They followed him, they cared for him, they provided for him. And over the years of his ministry, the bookends were Mary Magdalene and Joanna. And at the end, Mary Magdalene and Joanna. And they had the privilege of being a part of the whole of Christ's ministry here on earth. And what's the big deal with that? You know, in that culture at that time, the testimony of women was not to be the thing you went after and trusted. Uh, women had a certain role in the culture, and, and God was like, yeah, we're elevating that right now. And uh, this is a huge privilege moment. This is a moment, as he says, I'm going to take some women that are deeply confused by the society, and I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to heal them, and they are going to have statement to make, and they're going to be the witnesses of my power. And as these women experience the healing within their souls, now they are able to speak out for Jesus Christ and continue to care for him. Please hear me on this. Jesus Christ loves working with the broken and the weak and lifting them up and caring for them and showing his greatness into this world. And all of God's people said, 
Man, we serve a God who so willingly and humbly bowed down and handed it over for us. And what a privilege. And I'm just telling you, don't skid past these names. It's super important that we grasp. He's like, I cared for who society wasn't caring for. I reached out to who society wasn't reaching out to. And their lives were rocked forever. And now, now at the end of his ministry, he's like, I'm going to reveal to them the greatest story of all time. And they're the first to hear it. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. They're like, seriously, we were right there in the tomb. The grave was opened up. There was no Jesus. I'm telling you. And then all of a sudden, bam, man, there were like angels. And they were like thundering in. Their light was so bright. We dropped to our knees. We had no idea what to do. And then they're like, remember these words. Do you guys remember those words? And they're like talking it out. They're spilling the excitement of it. And But these words seemed to them to be an idle tale, and they did not believe. And where are you at this morning with the truth of Jesus Christ risen from the dead? Are you like, I don't know, man. I'm not sure I'm with it. You know, society's tried to come up with explanations across the years. You know, the explanation like the swoon theory. That's the one where it's like, he didn't really die. I realized he was whipped really, really badly, like 39 lashes, and he was almost dead. I realized that it tore his skin wide open. I realized he was unrecognizable. It was so bad. And then they uh, drove nails into his wrists and pounded it up and held him on the cross. I realized that. I realized that he breathed what looked like his last. I realized that. I I realized they took him down, thought he was dead. I realized that. I realized they put him in a tomb and sealed it. But at the moment of all that weakness and beating and abuse and can't even recognize him, I think he stood up and opened up a tomb that really took three to five men to open and close. And he was like, got this, opens it himself. And then he's like, hey, let's walk around and talk to some people. Like, that's what I think happened. For real? Everybody just say that's ludicrous. And I agree with you. And the swoon theory is about the silliest statement there is. And uh, you've got to be kidding me. The level and severity of hurt and abuse on Jesus Christ was massive and witnessed by many. And uh, man, there's only one answer. He is risen from the dead. And there were others that were like, well, maybe the disciples were like faking it in some way. The disciples, do you mean, who ended up giving their lives for this lie? The disciples who put themselves on the line year after year, moment after moment, saying, He is risen. He's alive. This is for real. Man, this wasn't some sham. This was a moment where they were utterly, absolutely convinced. I'm telling you, there are 500 plus witnesses. He is risen. The problem that has to be dealt with is the crucifixion was certain. And the problem that has to be dealt with is the resurrection is certain. And the apostles were like, I barely get this. It says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. They'd actually been taken off and folded up and set aside as if to say, 
Not going to need these anymore. This is done. And they saw the cloths laying there. Peter actually was able to celebrate in that moment prayerfully. It says he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Marveling. You know, that's where you're doing this. Unbelievable. Your jaw is wide open. There's a half smile on your face. You're like, I can't. now all of a sudden you're remembering the words. He did say he was going to rise again. He, he, he did say three days and then. He, he, he is risen from the dead. This is amazing. And man, I'm telling you, his walk got faster. Do you know what I'm saying? You're walking back home and you're thinking about it. And as you're getting convinced of it, you're starting to speed it up. You're like, I got to talk to somebody about this. And, and you're getting amped on it as you marvel at, as you awe in, as you worship Jesus Christ for who he is. Man, he's embracing the truth. He's thinking of his greatness. And he's stunned by the miracle. His soul is celebrating. Praise be to God. And we serve a God who gives us hope and a reason to marvel along the way. You know, uh, this past week uh, has been spring break. And so a number of people out on vacations in different ways. And my daughter Alyssa actually had a chance to go down to Florida. And uh, she ended up taking a break down there with her friend. And they stayed at uh, grand her friend's grandparents' place down there and did a little bit of traveling around there and got to go to Disney World and that kind of thing. And we texted back and forth and FaceTimed throughout the week, little bits here and there. And she was having a great time. And she was going to take her flight home. Uh, on Thursday night. It was actually supposed to get home late Thursday, and then we were going to do Good Friday services together and then be here this morning at 9 o'clock for service. And, and uh, so she goes to the airport. She's there way early, which is kind of list. She loves to be there early for things. And uh, she was sitting back just relaxing, uh, waiting for the plane for a couple of hours and uh, reading a book, and then things delayed. There was weather rolling through Atlanta, and she had to pick up a connecting flight in Atlanta and delayed again and delayed again. She finally gets on the plane, and it finally gets off the uh, ground, and it's flying, and as this plane is flying, and we're watching the time crunch, she only had like 40 minutes in her layover there in Atlanta to be able to connect flights, right? And so we're watching the time window just collapsing down, and Jonna and I are sitting on the couch. Jonna found a website where you can type in Delta, and you get the airline and uh, now you can watch the plane traveling across the U.S., and it's showing a picture, and all of a sudden, the plane goes, eh, and starts going this way. It's like, no, you're going the wrong way, right? Starts going out, and then down. Now it's heading back, and I'm like, oh, no. What happened, right? Now it turns, and I'm like, the pilot is doing loop-de-loops <laughs> over Georgia. What is going on, right? And he turns it back again, and ends up, he was letting this nasty storm front blow through Atlanta and get past, and he was delaying out there doing a loop, and then he was coming in, and now we're watching the clock get ever, ever closer. And she hits the ground, and she's like, landed. And then we could hear somebody saying something over the phone while she had her phone on that said something along the lines of, we're not going to be able to get to our gate, we're having to wait for the next plane. Now she's waiting even longer, and we're like, she's down to five minutes. And all of a sudden, we get to, she's out of the plane, 
she's running, she's running, and it says, and the plane has now taken off. And she gets there and she's like, nope, I missed it. So my 19-year-old daughter is now in Atlanta and missed the last flight home to Peoria. You could hear a little bit of nervousness in her, but she loves to travel too, so she was like, challenge, I'll take it on. And uh, so she goes up to the desk and she's like, hey, I need a flight to Peoria. And they're like, there's nothing till tomorrow morning. She's like, can you put me up in a hotel? And they're like, yes, how old are you? And she said 19. And they're like, hey, just so you know, we can't check anyone into a hotel that's under 21. I don't know. I never heard that rule before. So they're like, we have this room that you have to stay in for 24 hours for minors. It's locked. You get food, but it's locked up and protected. Can you imagine? Lissa's like, sounds creepy. Don't want to do it, right? <laughs> Not going there, whatever I do, right? And uh, she ends up saying to him, hey, is there anything else? She talks to him again. They end up giving her a voucher to this hotel in the area. So she ends up getting in this tram. It takes like 20 minutes. She finally gets over there. She gets to the hotel. She walks in, and she's on FaceTime with us, and she's like, okay, I'm here. This is what I am. Wow, <laughs> this is nice, right? She goes up, she hands him the voucher, no problem whatsoever. They take her up to her room. She gets in her room and she walks in and she goes, whoa, this is sweet. And then about five minutes later, I got a text from her that said something like, okay, I'm kind of having fun, <laughs> right? And I'm just telling you, that's kind of the role of Marvel is in the beginning, it's dread, I can't believe what's going on. I don't want to be dealing with this. And then all of a sudden, you see the fantastic on the backside of it, and you're like, never mind. This is amazing. And that's exactly where Peter was. He was in total dread. He's like, I can't believe this. They've taken my Lord. Three days later, I can't believe this. He has risen from the dead, man. Now we just got to find him and talk to him a little bit. This is amazing. Praise be to God. Marvel. Jesus Christ is risen. And all of God's people said, man, may we get this. He is risen. Share it. He is risen. Marvel at it. And how is your celebration? How is your marvel? Make sure you're in awe of Jesus Christ and his power. And number three. Number three, make sure that you go after experiencing the victory over sin through forgiveness, through forgiveness, hope in Jesus Christ. It says here, we're going to jump to verse 44, okay? Everybody jump to verse 44. There's some things that are happening in between, but I wanted to make sure we closed with some words from Jesus here. So verse 44 it says, then he said to them, these are my words. Everybody say, that's a big deal. Yeah, I agree with you. Jesus' words on the whole topic, right? These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I'm telling you, God's got a plan. And this whole thing was purposed. God knows exactly what he's doing. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Man, was that a lesson in the Bible that day. 
to be able to grasp the depths of the various facets of Old Testament and how it pointed to Jesus Christ and his greatness. It says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross and he rose again that we might have forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. And please hear me, this isn't something that just happens by accident. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us exactly how. It says, man, it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C, A. Admit, and I am a sinner, I'm in need of a Savior. I am not perfect. I do not have this down. Lord, I know I have come up short. I am not perfect. And hopefully that's easy for you to understand and get. And... Uh, if not, just talk to your neighbor or your family member, and they'll let you know how true that is, that you're not perfect, right? And you're like, seriously, this is pretty easy one to grasp. I don't have it together. God, please forgive me. And B, believe that he is risen from the dead. Believe that he is risen from the dead. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is risen? That's what's required to be saved. And then it says, last one, confess him as Lord. Admit you're a sinner. Believe he is risen and confess he's in charge of your life. You take over. Man, if Jesus Christ is God Almighty and he has died for you, if Jesus Christ is risen for you, then there is hope in him. There can be forgiveness with him. Life with him as we let him take charge. Are you willing to let God have your soul? God, take over whatever you say. You're in charge. And that's saved. It says here that we literally can proclaim his name and we can find forgiveness of sins as we repent, done with the sin, on with our Savior. Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross for me. That's my hope. Jesus Christ risen from the dead, guaranteeing life. We have hope with him. It says, and behold, which means, right? And check it out, he says. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Everybody just say, that's the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the Holy Spirit. He's like, just so you know, you're not walking this walk alone. There's not forgiveness of sins and then good luck. Like the Holy Spirit with you and the hope of God with you. It says, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power. That would be a nice day, right? To be able to feel the difference of weak and then fully empowered by the Holy Spirit, clothed with power. Please hear me. You are not called to walk this walk on this earth alone. You are called to walk it with your King, Jesus Christ. There is hope in him, and there is life in him. Miracle-working power. As he heals us 
as He forgives us, as He transforms us, as the Holy Spirit is changing us one degree of glory at a time. He convicts, He leads, He takes us to our knees at times. But hear me, God doing a work in you. Are you in? Admitting I'm a sinner, believing He is risen from the dead and confessing Him as in charge of your life. God, take over. Man, hear me. That's saved. Life and life eternal. We serve the risen Savior. And all of God's people said, here's the deal, man. It's too easy to hear those kinds of words and be able to go, how true. And then we just kind of go on our way. And so our job here as we close out today is to pack it in with maybe some of the most powerful worship you've ever experienced in your life. Our job is to be able to lift up the name of Jesus Christ with all we've got. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and I'm going to ask us to be able to put all our stuff away. And while the worship team's getting set, I've got something to ask you. Are you ready? Are you ready to consider this? With my God, I have fill in the blank. With my God, I have fill in the blank. At the least, we know this. I have forgiveness of sins. At the least, we know this. I have eternity with my King. I have hope. I have life. I have power with my God. With my God, I have fill in the blank. Just take a moment right where you are. Think it out. Get your answer. Good reflective moment. All right. Now I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. 309, let's get Pastor Mike and Pastor Steve up in front of you guys. Here's the deal. We're going to take a moment right now in absolute quiet. Think of it like this. Imagine the heavens in the moment that Christ said it is finished and how quiet it went in somber reflection of his greatness. And we're going to give that quiet right in this room. And then imagine the celebration that unleashed as Jesus Christ rose and it was declared he is risen. So please hear me. We're going to do a quiet in this room that is going to be absolutely piercingly silent. And then when I say the words, he is risen, man, this roof is going to come off. It is time to worship with all you've got. Cheers, applause, screaming out loud what you have in him. Thank you for hope. Thank you for life. You are my God. Man, you bring it with all you've got. Applause and cheers, whistles, whatever it is. Remember, as the heavens unleashed it when he was alive, so we will unleash this place with the greatness of Jesus Christ. And first came the silence.
But wait, 